Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging, objective truth. Here is the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, my special guest is joining me from Israel. I am honored to welcome the Executive Director of Root Source, Gidon Ariel. How are you today, my friend? Well, Clay, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, first, I would like our listeners to know a little bit about you. Where are you from and how did you get to where you are now? Well, well, well. Okay, so uh, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> you, you got all day, sir. <laughs> so uh, I was born in New York. I'm an, I'm an Orthodox Jew. And I was born as a uh, less than Orthodox Jew. Orthodox meaning observant of the many, 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 many uh, lifestyle activities, if you will, both uh, positive ones and negative ones. Uh, when I was growing up in the 60s and in the 70s in New York, we were a lot of Jews around there. I was mostly in a Jewish neighborhood. I even went to a Jewish school. But my family wasn't that observant. So, for example, a very uh, famous marker for Jewish observance is uh, the Sabbath on the Saturday. And uh, there are a lot of things that you're not supposed to do on the Saturday and uh, a few things that you are supposed to do on Saturday. One of the things that you are supposed to do is have a ritual called the Kiddush, which means sanctifying the, uh, the, sat- the Sabbath. And you do that on Friday night around the Friday night dinner table. It's like uh, Thanksgiving once a week. Um, and uh, so you would uh, raise a glass of wine, say a few uh, verses in Hebrew, and say, okay, rub-a-dub-a-dub, let's get going. So that is, that, is what we, that is what we would observe in my family. But then one of the things that you're not supposed to do, for example, is watch TV or get into a car. Uh, growing up, there was barely a Shabbat, barely a weekend that I didn't uh, watch uh, Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> and that was just the way it was. And that was the way it was in my family and the families of many of my, of my friends and my uh, schoolmates. But... Um, when I was going to that, it was an Orthodox school, an observant school, but uh, many of the students, many of the pupils in those, in, in those days came from families that were not very observant. So I, in fifth grade, my family, my parents made a unilateral decision. Imagine that. They didn't ask me, the 10-year-old me, uh, to take me out of that uh, Jewish day school and put me into a local public school. Uh, again, I was growing up in Queens, New York. Um, that, that bothered me because I was so used to my friends in school. I didn't want to start a new place, but uh, they didn't ask me. And so that's what I did. But after a year of not really being interested in that so much, um, I told my, I kept on probably bothering my parents. I want to go back to that school. I want to go back to that school. And uh, not only did I go back to that school with my friends, but I decided that this life decision of being a, a more religious Jew being a, a more focused Jew, being somebody who takes his Jewish identity more seriously was something that I made a decision already there in, six, in fifth or sixth grade. So th- that's how I started out in New York. When I, got, when, I, when I got back into that Jewish day school, I also was very uh, blessed 
to, to discover a Jewish youth movement, actually an Orthodox Jewish Zionist youth movement called Bnei Akiva. And, uh, you know, youth movement is sort of like uh, Boy Scouts or something like that. This uh, youth movement was uh, an educational one, an ideological one. And there, besides uh, giving us a chance to, to run around and have fun, they uh, little by little try to incalculate in us that's the right word. Inculcate. With, yes, uh, with, with, <laughs> to inculcate us with the values of the love of the God of Israel, the love of the people of Israel, the love of the Torah of Israel, the love of the land of Israel, and the love of the state of Israel. And these were five things that, that first of all, I was growing up in, in uh, the mid-70s. And this was not that long after the state of Israel was established. The state of Israel was established in 48. So that was a mere 25 years after, or something like that, after the uh, the state of Israel was, was founded. What's 25 years ago? 1997 was 25 years ago. All of us know that 1997 was just the other day. Yes, sir. So, uh, so 25 years after the state of Israel, not to mention the... Uh, liberation of the state, uh, liberation of the city of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War by the state of Israel, which was which was just a bit after five years uh, uh, earlier when I came to this conclusion. So it was amazing. It was amazing to be to be part of these amazing things, that as far as the state of Israel is concerned, but to be exposed in a, uh, today it's, it's a little bit uh, different, but a relatively liberal humanistic community to the the true god the true creator the, the 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 true one who loves us all that we can have a relationship with him it was something that that was exciting for me as a child even and then i learned that uh, god would communicate with us through the Bible, which I called previously the Torah. I'm not going to get too much why I used the word Torah and not Bible. The Torah is the, is the Hebrew word for, for the, the Bible, uh, amongst other things. And, and when I was learning some of the uh, lessons that we could learn through uh, from the Bible, from my youth movement counselors, it was just, it, it was just breathtaking for me. And then, of course, the the uh, concept of the people of Israel, which is another word, another uh, way to call the Jewish people. In other words, I was part of a Jewish nation. Now, again, growing up in New York, you had Jews all over the place. It was the biggest, it's the biggest Jewish city in the world. But even still, there were plenty of non-Jews, and we knew that we were a non-Jewish country. The idea that, wow, we could have our own state, our own land, everybody's just like us. You know, it's, it's like a family, really. That's really the way, it's, it's just, you know, a certain one step up from, uh, from a big family is the Jewish people for a Jew. So that was also a, a mind-blowing idea that, uh, that, that, that came to me. I was so uh, pleased to be part of that youth movement. Also, it was nice to be able to hang out with kids and not have uh, adults around to tell us what to do. <laughs> In any case, three years after uh, joining that youth movement, 
I was in high school, ninth grade, and my parents and I realized that the high school that I was going to was not so good. They said, where would you like to go? Let's have a talk about it. Uh, I came to the, the, to the meeting and they said, would you like maybe to go to Israel for the rest of high school? And for me, that was uh, a dream come true. Yes. So I did go to Israel and uh, I landed in Jerusalem. The first time I had ever been to Israel, I was about to say the first time I've ever been in a plane. I think I was there once I went to, in a plane from New York to Montreal or something like that for a family wedding. Not, you know, for like two hours or something like that, but I had to get my passport and, uh, and travel for 11 hours or something like that. So it was, uh, and I was all of 14 years old. So it was quite an experience. And uh, during those three years of high school that were left, I just absorbed it all in. I walked around Israel a lot. I met new people. It was just tremendous, a, a, a tremendous dream come true that I didn't even know that I was dreaming. Anyway, so that, that's me. But, uh, but now you got to get to the next, the next part of why I'm here with you. Yes, I was going to ask you how you started or co-founded uh, Root Source and, and who was your partner in that? Yeah, I'll get to that later as soon as I get to the first part of uh, what do I have to do with Christians at all? Okay. So I, I was walking through the city of Jerusalem, uh, probably on a furlough from my military service. I, I went to the Israeli army. And uh, I saw a sign on an apartment, uh, on the door of an apartment building across the street. So I crossed the street in order to be able to read that sign, because, you know, you can get a degree in Jewish history just by reading the street signs in Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, this is not a street sign, though. It was, uh, it was a sign talking about an office, and the office was of the ICEJ. ICEJ stands for International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. And I uh, was flabbergasted. Says, what, what do you mean, Christian Embassy Jerusalem? We know what Christian means. And uh, embassy means friends. And Jerusalem means Jews. So Christians, friends of Jews. Again, there were the, the many uh, New York Christians were friendly, you know, friendly in that they didn't um, mug you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, uh, if I would say hello to somebody, they might say hello to me back or something like that. I didn't have any friends who were, who were Christians. And growing up in a Jewish community, a mere few decades after the Holocaust, we were quite xenophobic. And, and we were not only in the 70s, but for 2000 years. And especially if you're growing up in New York, in, in the United States, Today, uh, they say that some people are trying to convince us the United States is not such a Christian country. But certainly in those days, it certainly was more so. Maybe not Christian values as much as we'd like. But certainly, uh, people who weren't Jewish were Christian. As far as we all were concerned, you know, close the wagons and uh, make sure that you're not uh, walking too close to a church uh, on, on, at night. You never know what's going to come out of there. Because... Uh, Clay, I don't know how much your, your, your listeners know the history of European anti-Semitism. Why do I say European anti-Semitism? Because we Ashkenazi Jews, there were Jews who have a long history of their parents, grandparents, they themselves, certainly many generations, were born in uh, Eastern countries, like the, the Arab countries, uh, the Northern Africa. 
But most United States Jews came from Poland, from Germany, from Russia, places like that. And there, there were Christians there. And those Christians, uh, maybe not each and every one of them, but many of them were anti-Semitic. They, they tried to hurt Jews if they felt like it. They went to, they went to, to uh, have some good uh, alcohol at the local pub. And at the, end, at the end of the pub, they started fighting with each other and says, why, do we, why should we fight with each other? There's some Jews around the corner. Let's go fight with them or something like that. So, so again, I'm not, I'm not reading to you from, uh, from his history book. I'm telling you the way that most Jews felt. Not, we, didn't, we didn't open the day saying, uh, thank you, God, for making me a Jew because those Christians are hor hor horrific. We never, we never said stuff like that. And my, and my parents raised me uh, with, a, with a more liberal outlook, you know, try to be friendly with people. People try to people will be friendly, you know, take, give people the benefit of the doubt. But even still, we have a phrase in Hebrew, kabdeu v'chashteu, um, respect others, but suspect them also. That's like Ronald Reagan with the Soviet Union, and we'll trust but verify. So when I saw these, when I saw this sign that said Christians want to be friends with Jews, I said, come on, let, let's see what's going on there. I went inside, knocked on the door, come in, please. There were brochures. I started picking up some. The, the receptionist said, can I help you? He said, no, 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 just looking. And I took those brochures home and I looked at them. I said, my gosh, these Christians really do love Jews. They really want to be friends with Jews. And that was an epiphany for me, pardon the expression. And uh, so since then, more and more, I was thinking, how can I reach out to find more of these friendly Christians? See what, what's going on with them. Now, that was probably in the uh, late 80s, the mid to late 80s, when, when that uh, story happened to me. That was about 40 years ago, my goodness. And so today, uh, after many, many years, I've been reaching out more and more to Christians who really do love Israel, who really do love the Jewish people, who really do want to be friends with Jews. And uh, my, I, ju I, I just have on my heart to grasp that hand that is extended in friendship and shake it. And uh, therefore, today I have thousands, not thousands, but certainly hundreds of Christians who I count as my friends. And uh, I'm now speaking to one of them. And I hope that anybody who's listening here will also reach out to me. And I'd love to be your friend as well. About 2014, it was, I guess, that you actually officially co-founded Root Source. Uh, what is Root Source about? What's your mission? And uh, how do you go about that? Okay, so as I said, I, w I, I had been working in high tech for a few years. In IT, but um, I was a technical writer, and so I said, "How how many more decades can I document how component A interacts with component B?" That didn't sound like much of a, a life to me, and I really felt that this was a calling, that uh, that God was calling to me to build bridges with Christians. So I I kept on, uh, you know, if I would meet somebody on Facebook or something like that. They would come to Israel. We would meet for a coffee or something like that. And then if they were bringing a group, I would say, let me talk to your group. And I would uh, talk a little bit about my life as a Jew, my life as an Israeli. And I would answer some questions, that kind of stuff. And then I realized, okay, if I, if I want to spend uh, my, my uh, whole, all of my working days doing this as opposed to being a technical writer, then I, I'd better figure out a way to do that. And so the way I said Instead of teaching 
Christian groups that come to Israel maybe once or twice a year, three times, something like that. If I teach online, then maybe I'll be able to find people who are interested in learning with me, learning from me. And uh, so I shared that with a group. I uh, was invited to speak on the uh, ramparts, on the walls of the old city of Jerusalem uh, with my friend Christine Darg. She's the uh, uh, head of what she calls Exploits Ministries or, and the Jerusalem Channel. You guys can look her up, Christine Darg. And she uh, said, okay, Gideon, what, what's on your mind today? And I said, this is what I want to do. I'm talking to you guys. I'd like to speak to you all on the internet. In fact, what I'd like to do is create an online yeshiva for Christians. The word yeshiva is a Hebrew word that basically means uh, an advanced Jewish school uh, of Jewish studies. So, uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach Christians who were interested in learning from me what I was interested in teaching them. Couldn't, you know, that, that, that's a match made in heaven. And when I said that, um, uh, the, the, the audience, the group, let, let out a collective gasp and said, hallelujah. And one gentleman came to me and said, I, I would like to be your first student. And uh, his name was Bob Odell from Austin, Texas. And uh, he had uh, just um, a, a sold a company. And so he was able to make an investment in this uh, venture. And he was my partner, in fact. Till this day, we've been around for, how much did you say, eight years, nine years or something like that? And uh, thank God we uh, recruited another half dozen or so teachers, mostly my friends from uh, my neighborhood, but from others that I knew as well. And I told them, listen, you just have to teach online, just record a nice lesson. We're not going to do live shows because we have people listening from the Philippines out to Hawaii and everything in between, so you can't really be awake 24-7. You record your lessons. People who want to listen to them will do so. It's like uh, YouTube. And uh, and that's what we did. We had a, a good start. Pretty soon we had beginner's luck, and we had, I believe, something like 30,000 subscribers to our free newsletter. And uh, throughout the years, we've, had, uh, we've grown from a half a dozen teachers to a dozen teachers today we have about 18 teachers teaching things like uh the uh, uh women in the bible uh, jewish history uh, beginners hebrew and jewish prayer uh, what else uh, um the temple some of our more popular courses um the weekly portion of the torah uh cycle and uh more and more te jewish teachers are are finding that they are interested in engaging with Christians, and more and more and more and more Christians are finding that they are interested in engaging with Jews. And that is what root source is. Root, like a tree, the tree of life. Source, like water. Anyone who is uh, thirsty, please come to the water. That's what it said in the, in the book of Isaiah, talking about the Torah. We are looking forward to growing from those uh, 30,000 to 300,000 and maybe 300 million. There's still plenty more Christians that we have to reach and plenty more Jews. Our, our, our goal is, I keep on saying our goal for this year, but this year is uh, ticking towards the end of the year. But uh, to soon to, to grow from 18 teachers to 100 teachers. 
Wow. And uh, from there, the sky's the limit. We want to change uh, the attitude of Jews towards Christians from, or I don't think we're allowed to engage with Christians, are we? To something like, how come you're not on root source? We're so, we're, we have to do that. Yes. It actually makes perfect sense to me that Jews and Christians should be friends and uh, collegial and one family. I will say, uh, regarding those Europeans uh, that were particularly the National Socialists, they were closer to Satanists than Christians in their behavior. So uh, that is not something that I would claim as part of my heritage, for sure. We've got so much more to talk about regarding the relationships between Jews and Christians and about the good work that Root Source is doing. Because of the limitations on the links of these episodes when they're broadcast on the radio, I'm going to put a break point here and continue this interview with Gidon Ariel in the next episode. That is definitely one you'll all want to listen to as Gidon and I will dive deeper into this topic that we've only begun to explore. On that next episode, we will talk about current data from Pew Research about the views of Jews in America, including their views on Israel. We will talk about the Judeo-Christian heritage of the United States, and we'll talk about the common heritage of Jews and Christians. In the meantime, I want to encourage listeners to check out Root Source online at root-source.com. There you will find much more information about this important outreach. Many thanks to the executive director of Root Source, Gidon Ariel, for sharing time with me to discuss his organization and its vital work. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.